0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com.
1: Praise God. Well, we have a special treat for you. Uh, First of all, before we get into that and then ultimately into my message, let's welcome Amy back home. Amy's home. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amy's right there. Amy's home for a week, and so we're very excited to have her home. Amen. And then, as of course, as you've already heard, Andy and Shay just got back from Africa, and so they've put a little video together and want to share a few things. So let's just give them a big hand as they come up front. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: So, um,
0: as well, we're about ready to watch a video, we were there for 14 days, and. Uh, we're not gonna take a lot of time, but this is a brief, when I say brief, it's a brief experience of what we got to go, uh, uh, experience while we were gone. Um, and the the video is, it, it pales in comparison to what actually, you know, what God uh, did in and through us. And uh, we can't wait to share it with you, so.
2: Yeah, God
0: is working.
2: It's just, uh, those were just like clips of like two weeks worth of experiences. And so we can't possibly um, share everything, but. The thing, there's a couple things that impacted me the most, and I feel like um, it really just it was like a theme throughout the, the time. But the first thing is like when you go into worship, and I showed a lot of worship clips and stuff like that. And the song that was on was one of their um, like radio worship songs. And so, um, especially when he was saying how they how they dance, I mean, how can you not dance to that song? Come on, so in, but in church, I mean they send it. So when you go, when you go into church, you walk. When you walk in, they have just this raw access to the Holy Spirit. So when they're in worship and the, and they're worshiping and and you can tell they're getting after it and they're there to encounter God and you can feel it. And you walk in and just like a wave hits you and it's just intoxicating. Where it's like I literally can still close my eyes and I can feel standing in one of their churches, feeling worship around. Me and it's just like nothing else, and it's just the raw access to the Holy Spirit, and it's incredible. And I'm like, Oh, we need that here. Just boom, ready for ready for the Holy Spirit? Got it. So that's that's it's it's insane. But then the other thing was that when um and you might have seen like some of the little shops, all the shops are just squeezed in next to each other, and so we did an outreach where we went to um hair salons and we prayed for the teacher, and we prayed for all the people who are learning. So it was a trade school, so they were all learning how to do Hair and things, and so we prayed for all of them. And on the very one of the very last ones, um, this lady who was do, getting her hair done, she stands up. She's like, "Okay, my turn." And we're like, "Okay, great." And so we come around her and we start praying over her and we start giving her words and just declaring. And then all of a sudden, she just flipped it, and just and and just the power. The word "power" is too small to describe this lady and her faith and her her her. Anointing. And so she starts praying over us and just declaring over us. And it's just like this wave comes splashing back on us, and the group around her, her is wrecked. I mean, we're just like bawling and we're crying, and she's just like blah, 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 blah. I mean, she is shouting and she is shaking, and I, you, the Holy Spirit was all over her and it was coming on to us. And it was in that moment where I was like, you know what? I came here in hopes to be a blessing and in hopes to be um, something that could help them in some way, but what really happened was the Holy Spirit came and encountered me. And these people were such a blessing to me. And I got to see a side of God that I am just in love with. And I get to see through the people of Ghana. And it was just incredible. And and so just I was just so shocked. I don't know what I was expecting, but when I but in that moment to meet God so fully in the in the in the dirt street in the middle of the shop was just incredible. And that just kind of just set the tone for any time we could encounter God. And so I hope to bring that here and just. <laughs>
0: Amen. Job, um, in Psalms, it talks about uh, refresh and be refreshed. And what what I what I felt, in, much to Shay's experience as well, is we came to minister, but we left ministered. Um and there is a there is an anointing I feel that goes and and just gets all over you when you when you go to a place where there is such a desperation for for Jesus and the Holy Spirit because and and, and I'm not Look I'm 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 chief among them as far as we sometimes allow Western convenience to undermine our our faith or un- undermine our trust or our, our 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 desire to see God work in our life. Well when you remove all of that, when you remove options, that's what Western culture is surrounded by is options. Cause you have an option to go and do and be and and when you have none, the only option is Jesus. It's it's literally life or death. Whether I'm going to eat today or not eat today is God providing and moving in my life. There's a certain tangible, there's a certain raw access to the presence of God, to, to the presence of God that the only, I can, I can give you words, but there's no words that can adequately describe or articulate. One of the, th- one of the uh, experiences we got to do is I, I got to go once again to this. We, we, everywhere is a drive, and it's, and, and here's, the, everything is in hours, not in mi- miles or kilometers or anything like that, because they just, traffic is, I'll never complain about traffic, because it is, n- compared is ridiculous. Anyway. Uh, we, it takes two hours, basically, to go as far as Bullhead. OK? And so we're going to this, this village and, and we're walking through, and we got to uh, evangelize and, and got to uh, uh, pray over people. And this, and this lady, she's drawing a bucket from, the well, from this well, and it's really deep you know it's really deep, and, and she's drawing this bucket, and she's filling up this big bowl of water. And, and, I, and, and I asked "Is there anything I can pray for you for?" And she goes, "Yeah, every time I eat." Every time I eat, doesn't matter what it is, it can be, you know, just plain rice or, you know, cassava or fruit or anything. Every time I eat, I am I, I, I feel sick and I'm in tremendous amount of pain. I said, I was like, well, we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe God that he's gonna heal you and that you, you'll you be able to, because she, she was like, I'm weak, I have three kids, I'm the, you know, that we don't have a father, you know, my father, you know, uh, that my husband is not here, you know, and so, um, I was like, okay, so we're going to pray. And so I prayed and we just kind of, I just, you know, I prayed, how do you feel? She goes, well, I'm not in any pain right now. It's only when I eat. I was like, okay, how about you go eat something and you come to the service tonight and, and, and tell us how it is. She goes, okay. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of filed that away. Okay, God, I'm, I'm believing for a miracle, all of that. And we go about our business and start praying for more people. We go to the service and, and we're, we're ministering and things like that. Well, she comes in running from the back. She comes in running and she's eating an apple and she's eating and she goes, Pastor, she goes, this would have doubled me over. And she goes, I, this is the first time I've eaten something in months where I haven't been in pain. And I'm just, I'm just wrecked. And so I have her come up and I said, if anybody needs healing, you need to come up right now. And she then started, to, and I just said, hey, all I need you to do is just say Jesus. And she's like, okay. And so we just pray over people and and, and she's praying with me and she t- she got to connect with the pastor and she's like, this is where I'm going because Jesus is here. And that's why we went. And so we just want to thank you. We want to, because uh, without you guys, we could not have done this. So we want to thank you. We felt your prayers. For, you, for those who have given into missions and given into and partnered with us financially, we want to thank you. Uh, this was an amazing trip. So please come up to us, ask us. We'll have, we have a lot of more stories. So love
1: you guys. God. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things that uh, we did is uh, when Andy and Shay were invited, they were invited by a church in California. Um... You, you, you know them, uh, Pastor Carl and Adam Friedrich, and uh, they invited them to come. And part of the reason that we sent them was one to, to uh, uh, help in that outreach and that ministry and that missions trip. But uh, uh, another reason is to learn how to take a group because they took, I think, 17 to 25 people, I'm not sure, in this group. And, and so Andy and Shay got to participate in that. Um, and it's something that we have a vision for. We wanna raise up teams. Um, We want you, not just us. This is not about a a pastor thing. This is about a church and the people of God going into all the world. And so we want to uh, uh, raise up teams. But look, one of the visions that we have here is that the mission field starts right outside that door. I could tell you that uh, I was personally on my way flying Uh, to Ghana, where they were, the church that they were, the the mother church. I was going there with Pastor Alex um, uh, many years ago, probably about 10 years ago now or longer, and uh, we were on our way, and I remember being over the Sahara Desert, and I was just thanking God for uh, what he was doing, and I was thanking him for The fact that I was back on the mission field and God spoke very clear to me. And he said, John, every, every, because at this time, Jacob's Ladder was Thursday. And he says, every Thursday, when you get up and speak in Jacob's Ladder, you are on the, on a mission field just as valid as this one. And so let me tell you something. This church, this church is about reaching the lost. That's why we talk about grace, hope, transformation. And so whether it's in Kingman, Arizona, or Ghana, West Africa, we're about winning, winning the lost. Can you say amen? Well, very quickly this morning, we want to uh, move on into our sermon. I'm gonna try to get through this quick. Um, uh, one thing about raising preachers is they compete with you. And so, uh, Amy the other day sent me her very first sermon. And so, and it's really good, I'm gonna have to preach it. Uh, no, I won't, I won't steal it, I won't steal it, I promise. And so, uh, God's done a great thing with my family, my children, I am so proud of my children and what God is doing in them and and through them. Well, we are continuing on with our series that we began, The Way of the Overcomer. And in this series, we've come to understand some real vital information about our walk with God. How many know that our walk with God is is important? The problem with a lot of Christians is they live from experience to experience. That is not the way Christianity was meant to be. Christianity was to be a daily walk, a communion, a, a, a relationship, walking out every day. Uh, with him every moment, every event, every situation, every circumstance in light of the Father. Can you say amen? And what we have found out is that life sometimes can be difficult. Uh, Life is hard. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. There is no doubt about that. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And what he's telling us is he's telling us, in effect, that we are, in fact, more than conquerors. We always have been and always will be. And victory is not an option. Victory is not an option. It's a birthright. It's an identity. It's who we are. And we also found out last week that the blood of Jesus is the most powerful substance in all of creation. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we are given eternal life, that we are set free, that we can come into this wonderful identity as sons and daughters of the Most High, and that we can walk out that identity, that we don't have to take on that spirit of bondage, that that, that spirit of bondage being a slave and being an orphan. But in fact, we could take on the spirit of adoption whereby whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we've been given eternal life and eternal kingdom and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Can you say amen to that? And it's because of the blood of Jesus that we've been given a new life. Amen. Thank God for that. And then not only does he give us that, then he gives us the right the privilege to plead or to argue the blood in every circumstance, every situation. I can bring the blood of Jesus to bear on every situation in my life, no matter what it is. And the blood of Jesus has power to change me. Now this weekend, what we're gonna do is we're gonna move on and look at yet another weapon in the arsenal of our overcoming. So look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. We begin this today, this third uh, a message, by coming to understand the power of our testimony. Now, I know this morning, I understand something here testimony is not always the glamorous thing. So it's like, oh, here we go, talking about testimony. It's going to be kind of boring. But the reason I think that is, is because we have forgotten or we have lost the power that has been invested in our testimony. For much of the church, that's been minimized. In many ways, the strategy of hell this morning has been to mute the power of our testimony. And many are convinced, that what they say really doesn't have any significance. And the truth is that's because we believe we don't have any significance. Well, let me tell you something. Your life matters. I don't care if you are the least of your family and your family's the least of your tribe and your tribe is the least of your community. I don't care if you're on the bottom of the totem pole. Your life matters. Your life matters and people are watching you. And let me tell you something, your testimony matters. What you say is powerful and it can change things. The word of your testimony is a, is a significant weapon in overcoming. The enemy, and as we begin to unfold the power that's behind this principle of testimony, I want you to—I want to remind you of the context in which we find our text, Revelations twelve eleven. What's going on around this is there is an epic battle in heaven, and the battle begins as a legal battle. It's important that we understand this. It's a—it's a struggle for control. Who is going to be supreme? Who is going to be in control of who? And the battle is quick, it's decisive, and the devil and his supporters are thrown out of heaven. Aren't you glad for that? But in the midst of this struggle, we learn something that we may not have known before about the devil, is that God calls him the accuser of the brethren you say now why is that important that we understand that because literally what that means is is he is the prosecutor he is the prosecutor against our lives and the Bible tells us that he spends day and night he stands day and night making accusation against us he twists the truth he manipulates facts he assaults our character and he condemns our lives And let me tell you something, this is the problem with the church, is because the devil will get inside, he will use misinformation and misunderstanding because he has twisted things to bring conflict and to bring strife and to bring division, and he will do these things and he will come against us because he is the accuser of the brethren. And the problem with that is, is this, is oftentimes, now listen, Oftentimes, we are in fact guilty of the things that he accuses us of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But thanks be to God, there is another. The Bible tells us that we have an advocate with the Father who is forever before the throne making intercession for us. When the accuser of the brethren comes and he tries to twist and turn and bring misinformation and misunderstanding, Jesus presents his blood as a sign of our forgiveness and our redemption. Our guilt then is turned into innocence. Can you say amen? The accusations cannot stand, and the case is closed. And our testimony, listen, our testimony then becomes the language of the witness stand. Are you hearing me? Our testimony becomes the language of the witness stand, and it becomes a weapon that is filled with power. See, your testimony this morning is the eyewitness account Of what Jesus did for you, and there is great power in your story. Think about it like this: Do you remember the blind man that got healed? He got healed, and he was brought into the temple, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees begin to question him. Where is this Jesus? Why did he do what he did? What's going on here? And the man lifted up his hands and go, I don't know. He goes, but what I do know: Once I was blind, and now I can see and no one can take that away from him, and there is power in that, and that word can penetrate, and it can break down the work of the enemy because there is power in your story. Now listen, the reason your story has power is because it has authority. It's yours. It's your story. No one could take it. Your story is not my story. My story is not yours. It is as unique as a fingerprint. Oh, it may have similarities. There may be con- uh, things that are, uh, are, uh, look the same, but ultimately in the end, your story, what God did for you, is yours, and it has authority. It has authority, and it will change things around you. It communicates on a level that people can relate to, it's not theological, it doesn't take a lot of study, it doesn't take a lot of a memorization, it's natural and it's simple. It is your story and the good news is it can be shared anywhere at any time. It's, it literally is an invasion. It's invasion tactics and God is moving and he will use you to share your story to communicate victory to people around you. Can you say amen? Now listen to this verse of Scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now why would Jesus this morning emphasize this just before he takes his place on the throne with the Father? Because that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Our testimony, our eyewitness account of what God has done for us and in us and through us, it becomes, listen, absolute proof of his resurrection power. In Acts chapter 4 verse 33 it says, With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Think about this for a moment. There's great power in what God has done. Your testimony, there's power in that. And God expects and wants us to share that because that testimony breaks down the walls of the enemy's work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Think of it this way. Think of the story of the demoniac. How many remember that story? The demoniac, this is a guy that is, to say the least, helpless and hopeless. I mean, this is a guy that his, his friends, his family, basically the world has given up on him and the best that they could do for him was to tie him down and even that didn't work. That didn't work. But with one encounter with Jesus, he is seated, he's clothed, and he is in his right mind. But listen to what takes place next. This is the part of the story I want you to hear. Here's this great encounter and then in Mark chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, it says, When Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. How many know if you got set free like that, you're, you're going, You know what, I want to go with Jesus. It's just good to me follow you around. You really are good for me. Jesus, you're really good. I just need to stick by you. But Jesus says... Uh, No way. He says, the Bible says he didn't permit it, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and begged uh, and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now think about this. Jesus sends this man away armed only with his testimony. And it had with it the power to overcome. Now remember, these people weren't too keen on Jesus. If you remember in Mark 5, five seventeen, these people begin to plead, the Bible says, with him, with Jesus, to depart. They're like, we don't know what you're doing here. Man, you're messing with everything. You killed our pigs, you sent the demon. We don't get, we don't even know what's going on, Jesus. You, you really are kind of upset. How many know when the supernatural shows up, it can upset people? And it does, and they're kind of upset by it. They're like, you know, uh, that's way too heavy. I, the pigs, I don't even get spir- spirits in pigs. I, it, why would they run off the cliff? I mean, have you ever sat and thought about that for a moment? I mean, the demons are talking to Jesus, and they said, hey, it's not our time. Don't torment us. Send us into the pigs. And then they run them off a cliff. See, the spirits are stupid. They're dumb. <laughs> why would they kill the pigs? That was their house. That's where they're living, but they kill the pigs. Now where are they going to go? I mean, I don't get this. It's just kind of a messed up thing. And the people are really kind of like, Jesus, you're a little bit too much, man. Somebody's got to put you back in your box. And they're upset. But then something happens. This demoniac, this one that had a testimony comes on the scene and changes everything because in Mark 7, verses 31 and 32, it says, again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he, Jesus, came through, through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had impediment in his speech, and they began, uh, begged him to put his hands on them. All of a sudden... These people that didn't want anything to do with Jesus, the supernatural was too much for them, they begged him to go away, all of a sudden now they're coming to Jesus, they're wanting him to lay hands on people, they're wanting him to do something powerful, and I believe it's because this one man who had a testimony began to share the good things that the Lord had done for him, and the power of that testimony, the power of that eyewitness changed a region of Israel that represented 12 different cities. Can you ma- imagine that? Now think about this. Just as Jesus told this man to go, so he's telling us to go. It's not a suggestion. It's imperative that we share what God has done. There's something powerful about it. Listen, I'll, I'll take a little further. In the Old Testament, God told his watchmen That they were never to be silent and to never rest. To be silent meant withholding a word of either warning or good news. And to rest on the job could be disastrous for the welfare of the city. You and I are God's watchmen. We have a word. We are witnesses of good news. But we also carry a word of warning. That those that have not yet heard can hear and can receive what we have. We must not be silent. Can you say amen? We must not rest on our watch. We must share what God has done. You don't have to preach. You don't have to stand up in a restaurant and stand on a, on a table and get everybody's attention and yell and scream. You don't have to do that. But you can share when somebody says, man, I don't feel good. Say, you know, there was a day I didn't feel good, but I trusted Jesus and he set me free. Or you know what, my marriage is going sideways. Well, let me tell you, I got a Jesus that can help you or my finances or my children or, or my home or my neighbor, whatever, and we can share the love of God and something can change. Can you say amen? In 2 Timothy 1.8, the Bible says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Don't be ashamed. Share it. Put it out there. Make it live. Make it alive. And then in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. What is he saying? He's saying, look at, there are gonna be people that notice you. There are gonna be people that pay attention and they're gonna wonder, why are you different? Now let me say something. I'll get a little bit more into this here in a minute. But if you're not different, you gotta ask yourself why. I'll just let that sink for a little while. See, your testimony is what makes you dangerous. Your testimony makes, is what makes you a threat to hell. Your testimony is a weapon. Your testimony is a sword in your hand. Your testimony is an instrument of power that sets the captive free. Amen. Now I want you to consider, so I want to take this a little bit deeper with you, and I want you to consider this. In Revelations 19.10, The Bible says these words, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now we have to ask some questions in this. What is the testimony of Jesus? What is that? Well, it's anything spoken or written that declares what God has done. See, when we testify of what God has done for us, we are operating in the spirit of prophecy. Are you hearing that? See, what the spirit of prophecy is, it is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to, one, predict the future, and two, to change immediate conditions. Think about this for a moment. When you testify, when you share a testimony, why are you sharing that? One, the first one, is to give glory to God. We want people to know that our God's a big God. We, if God heals us, if he sets us free, whatever it might be, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I want people to know that. But another reason that we testify is because we believe that what God did in me, he will do in you. I'm sharing this because I believe that God will do in you what he's done for me. And so we're putting it forward. It's, it's prophetic, in nature. Can you say amen? Amen. See, the ancient meaning of the word testimony or the Old Testament meaning of the word testimony comes from a root word that means to do it again or to repeat. And I believe the power of testimony lies in the fact that it depicts the very nature of God that God wants to do it again and again and again and again. See, when we give a testimony of healing, we're depicting that God is, in fact, our healer. When we give a testimony of salvation, of provision, of deliverance, of protection, of guidance, what we're saying is, this is who he is to me and he will be that to you. And so literally we declare to another who God is. He is our healer. And I have evidence because I've been healed. He is my provider. And I have evidence because he's provided. And it's my testimony. Now I'm speaking that to you in a in a spirit of prophecy because there's power now to repent Repeat what was done in me in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now this is something that David understood in the face of Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion... And the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What's happening? David is facing one of his greatest battles. He's looking at Goliath and he goes, I recognize you. You showed up one day as a lion. You showed up one day as a bear. And you know what? God delivered me from the bear and the lion. And today, he's going to deliver me of you. And I'm going to cut your head off today. I've been down this road before. It's the power of testimony. And it's a prophetic word that can change circumstances. That's why when we wake up and we say, oh, you know what? I'm having a bad hair day. Well, I've had bad hair days before. And God was faithful. And he met me in that moment. And you know what? He comforted me. He protected me. He guided me. So I'm going to speak to this day and I'm going to tell you, you have no power over me. And I'm going to testify of what God has already done because he's going to do it again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's power in that. I'm telling you, church, there's power. It will change people, it will change circumstances. It can change nations. And if you think, well, what's going on here? Well, that's Old Testament. No, it's in the New Testament too. Think about it. John chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. The woman at the well, she's she's having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus has blown her mind. And then the woman left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And we know the story. Then all the people from the town followed her out based on her testimony. Yeah. She said, look, man, I just witnessed something. This man's sitting there. I asked him for water. He said, no, I'm not thirsty, but I, give, I need to give you water because you're thirsty. And then he begins to run it down how she's been married five times and the guy she's with is not even her husband and all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's all going on. She's blown away. Who are you? And she goes back into town. She's, she's not qualified. She hasn't studied. She doesn't have a degree. She doesn't have books. She, she hasn't read anything yet. All she's had is a moment with Jesus and she says, I don't know what happened, but this guy told me everything I ever did. And she said, it was so convincing to me that you guys need to come. And what happens? They all come. And the Bible says that they gave their life to Christ. Now there's an interesting verse at the end of this story, kind of tripped me up a little bit, because then the people said to the woman... They said, none of this happened because of what you said, but all of this happened because of what he did. And I kind of went, God, are you, uh, you putting a monkey wrench in my sermon? Uh, You know, what's happening here? And God, i really, God gave me a word. He goes, no, no. He goes, what I'm saying is, they came and they weren't changed because of her testimony. They were changed because of what Jesus did for them. Now it became their testimony. Now they're not riding on the coats of somebody else. They're not coming in going, hey, you know what, my pastor, he's a good dude. The word of God's in him, and you know what, God does great things. No, you walk around and say, God's in me. and He does great things in me. Are you hearing that? See, I, I can share with you what God did for me, and that's what he did for me. But what is God doing for you? That's your testimony. Can you say Amen. Now I want to bring this to a close very quickly. Not only do you have a testimony, you are a testimony. Your life, your lifestyle, your behavior, your actions, your reactions, bear witness to who and what you are. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing that? We are not simply drifting through life with no impact. People are watching. Friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, even people you don't know, they're watching you. They're looking. They may not always understand what they see. They may not have context for your behavior. But nevertheless, they will always draw a conclusion about who you are. Everyone will draw a conclusion. We do not live in isolated bubbles. Our lives are on display. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Now, I don't mean to come off spooky or dramatic. But I want you to know people are paying attention. And there's a very subtle yet effective lie that many Christians have bought into, and that's this. What I do just doesn't matter. Nothing could be further from the truth, nothing. See, when we talk about testimony as it relates to our actions and our behavior, we're talking about what you represent and who you truly are. Matthew 12 tells us that a tree is known by its fruit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it is with people. What you're doing in your life is a direct manifestation of who and what is inside of you. Amen. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, he writes this, listen, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What is he saying? He's saying walk worthy, walk worthy. In other words, he's talking about walking appropriately. Not He's not talking about value. Listen to me, he's not talking about value. Here, here's the thing. Let me let me see if I can't bring some definition here. See, the problem is, is a lot of people get upset at things. We there's a whole movement right now in Christianity that's that's saying, you know what, God loves us, and it doesn't matter what we do, and blah blah blah. We just go on kumbaya, and everything's going to be good. That's not true. It does matter what you do. Now, those people that believe they could do anything they want, they usually stand up and they say stuff like this: Nothing can separate me from the love of God, and that is absolutely true. There is not one thing on creation that can separate you from God. Amen, not from the love of God. When you were yet a sinner, he loved you. And he loves you even in your sin. Come on. But his expectation is that when he comes in and he saves you and sets you free and he gives you his righteousness, that you begin to walk in that righteousness that you begin to display as a testimony for the world of what's inside you. The problem is today is we have lots of Christians that are, that are claiming Christianity, but you can't see any difference in them. They look just like the world. They, they look just like everybody else. They're doing the same thing, and they, they do it with, they almost wear it as a badge. It's like, hey, you know what? It don't matter. God loves me. Yes, He does absolutely his love is never in question his love is absolute but there is a point when he says you need to live differently you need to live in the identity that i died for you need to live who you are why would you live like a pulper when you've been made a king why would you live like an orphan when you've been made a son He goes on and he says this, he says in Titus 1.16, he says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Literally what it's saying is they have a testimony of misrepresentation. And there's power in it, folks. Look, at Paul spent a lot of time in Romans chapter 14 talking about things he he makes a statement he says you know all things are lawful but not all things edify and everybody wants to use that statement all things are lawful to to give us uh, uh, permission just to go out and do whatever we want but that's not what he's saying he's saying look at i don't want you to be hung up on some rule here amen He says, I don't want you to be hung up on rules and regulations because that's not what it's about. He says, but pay attention because not everything you can do, you should do. Because people are watching. See, there are certain things in my life that I have determined I will not do because I have a testimony. People are watching because people draw conclusions and rarely do they draw conclusions with all the info. Come on, they will draw conclusions based on what they see in the moment. And so what Paul's telling us is he's saying, wait a second, look at you guys, you you need to understand. You need to walk worthy, You, 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 you profess God, but don't deny him in your behavior. Jesus was a little bit softer, Paul was kind of aggressive. Jesus was a little bit softer when he told his disciples in Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. (laughs) Don't confuse what I'm saying. We're not talking about working for salvation. Salvation is not the issue here. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about, you know, somehow I got to do all these right things so that I can be saved. No, you can't do enough right things to be saved. Salvation is a gift, but what we're talking about now is that my life would reflect Jesus. That my life would be a witness and a testimony of the goodness of God in me. Are you hearing me? See, your behavior, your actions, your reactions, the things you give your life to, they're as much a part of your testimony as anything that Jesus has ever done. You know, there used to be a saying that we had, it's okay not to be okay. And there's, there's a lot of truth in that, but there's a part B to that that we have to say. It's not okay to stay that way. Somewhere what we have to do is allow him to change us and then walk in a life that's worthy of him, that's appropriate, that reflects him. And we do that by coming to know who we are and knowing who he is. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had. Father, we pray that this revelation, God, would penetrate our hearts and our lives. Father, that you would minister to us, Lord, that we would be reminded every day of the power of our testimony, how it will change us and change the world around us. And Father, we're, we are careful to give you the praise. We thank you for what you've done. And Jesus, we, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord, that you would encourage them. Father, I, I come against all condemnation, guilt and shame. Father, I do release the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, because your conviction is specific. It's there to heal and to mend, to repair. The enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came, Jesus, to give life. So we release that life right now. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I do apologize. We're a little bit late today, but our prayer team is coming. If you need prayer of any kind, come on up. Want the rest of you stand to your feet. We want to release you today. God bless you. I promise next week I'll try to be better.
0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.